1: AFR.net, as the announcer said, uh, is the uh, website. You can go there, check it out. Uh, also, catch the podcast there at our website, AFR.net. You can also download the American Family Radio app on your App Store. And uh, the app has everything that the website has. So, the app is just right there on your phone. It's an application on your phone. And you can uh, open it, get get the podcast there, listen to uh, at least a 30 day Um, recording or archive of uh, all the shows you hear on American Family Radio. So great resources, all free, great ways to keep up with AFR and also stay up to date on the news and information going on in our country and around the world. And as always, everything you hear on American Family Radio is from a Christian perspective because that's what, what we're here to do as believers is to bring the news and bring commentary to you and with the hopes of basing much of our commentary and information on what God's Word says uh, about the issues of our day. And you look, Scripture is, the Bible is is always relevant. You know, you, you've seen uh, different movements trying to, uh, you know, they say they're trying to be more relevant to the world as Christians, but look, Scripture is very relevant. Scripture addresses all the issues that we're facing in life today, uh, the Bible has something to say about it. So uh, we need to heed God's word, and we don't need to try to uh, twist it and move it and and try to turn it into something it's not, but we just need to take God's word for what it is and be obedient to it and uh, and be faithful to his word. Shifting into the couple of the news headlines we're going to talk about on the show today, first, you can... Uh, on my podcast page at AFR.net, you'll find links to all the news stories we're talking about today. Last week I told you I was going to link to my uh, my op-ed in my local newspaper about how China's been been horrendously lying about the numbers of cases in China. I didn't I wasn't able to post that because it wasn't available yet. But this week I actually am going to post uh, that link to my op-ed on how China, how we all know China is lying about the number of coronavirus cases in uh in uh in the country of China, specifically in Wuhan region uh, Wuhan province there in china this uh this whole situation with the coronavirus look I think this I think two things can be true at the same time there's there's this debate out there about whether whether we overreacted, whether this is as bad as everybody said it was going to be, and I think obviously things are not as bad. Tom uh, talking about uh, when it comes to fatalities, things are not as bad in America as some claimed they would be. Now, is part of that because of the strict measures we've been putting in place? Probably. How much of it? I don't know. No one will ever know. No way to measure that. Um, but I think it is fair to say while this is a serious health situation, uh, I think. We also need to to understand the damage that has been done to our economy. And I don't think these two things are mutually exclusive. I think that you can care about people's health and take common sense steps to keep people healthy. But at the same time, you can save our economy. We're having a hard time balancing that right now. It seems like all or nothing. Either we shut the whole country down or we don't and there's not much of a consideration into some kind of middle ground at this point hopefully there will be and we'll talk about that on the show give you a little bit of optimism on our economy opening back up which I think it should and I think it should open back up uh, immediately but just cuz we open up our economy doesn't mean we fix everything and just cuz we open up the economy doesn't mean we also avoid uh certain behaviors that put people at risk so these uh as many the, the old saying says you can we can walk and chew gum at the same time i think we can protect the vulnerable and open up our economy at the same time i think we can multitask but the issue that we're facing here is that the the damage that number 1 has already been done to the economy is unexplainable there's no way to explain the damage that's been done the billions, if not trillions, of dollars lost in the economy, the millions now, over 15 million, upwards of 16 million um, Americans over the past three weeks who filed unemployment claims across the country, the furloughed workers you have, the layoffs. I mean, the list goes on. That damage is unspeakable. There's no way to explain it, to justify it, to give words to it. That needs to be considered. That needs to be considered heavily in our actions moving forward right now you know it's not the the issue we're facing about the economy is not just about when to open it back up but but the issue we're we're facing is this is a global situation meaning hypothetically if America opens back up that's great that's good it's going to help but you've still got all these other countries dealing with this and you've got everybody's um, tight. What do I mean by that? From an economic standpoint, when, when people feel confident, when they feel secure, when they feel optimistic, when they feel good about the way things are going in their, in their area, in their life, then they're more likely to spend money. That's a pretty basic concept. Nothing profound there. And that's why the consumer confidence levels are important. They gauge those on a monthly basis, sometimes a weekly basis. But the, the issue, my overall, my point here is that the issue is, is, is bigger than just opening back up the economy. It's getting consumers in a position where they're comfortable spending money, specifically their own money. That's going to be a months-long battle, a months-long Issue that we're going to have to work through, and it may take even a year or longer to get the consumer back to a comfortable position to where our economy can uh, can prosper like it was once doing just two months ago, three months ago. And so, I think our country can get there. I think we're the strongest country in the world. I think we're the most uh, optimistic and the most resilient country in the world. So I think we can do it. It's just going to take time, and there's going to be a lot of suffering on the way. And we just got to power through it like we've done in past situations. Um, uh, so back b- up, uh, starting on, on a couple of topics that uh, a couple of clips I want to play today. The first a clip, which will tie into what I've been talking about the past few minutes, is this is President Trump on opening back up the economy and what his view is on doing so. Let's listen to clip two.
0: I'd love to open with a big bang, one beautiful country and just open. But uh, it's very possible, you know, there are some areas that are not affected very much. We're looking at two concepts. We're looking at the concept where you open up sections, and we're also looking at the concept where you open up everything.
1: Well, there you have it. That's President Trump talking about opening up our economy, and we could do so multiple ways. Um, Probably the smartest way at this point is to open up in sections, sections, especially the states that are least affected, definitely have to open them back up and open them back up as soon as possible, immediately, no later than May 1st. Um, but that needs to happen, and it needs to happen soon because, look, um, a fact that is not being talked about much is that our hospitals are actually underwhelmed. Yes, you heard me right. Or, uh, generally speaking, the hospitals in this country are underwhelmed. I've spoken to nurses that are work at local hospitals that are actually being their their hours are being cut, and this is not a this is not breaking news. You have an Oklahoma City hospital that is temporarily closing. They're not just laying people off. The entire hospital is temporarily closing in Oklahoma City because they don't have enough patients to make it worth staying open. It's a 238-bed acute care facility. It's temporarily shutting down. It's a Baptist Medical Center in Oklahoma City. So that's a that's a very common uh, story across the country. Not necessarily hospitals shutting down, but hospitals cutting staff because they don't have enough patients, which is bizarre because what we're hearing from the media is that our hospitals are overwhelmed. They just can't handle the workload. The world's going to end. We're out of respirators. We're out of personal protective equipment. That's actually not the case. And it's recklessly irresponsible for the media to claim that. We have plenty of hospital beds in the country, plenty of ventilators in the country, plenty of medical staff to work these hospitals. So that's, uh, that's not good. This is directly contradicts what the media is saying. And, you know, this brings into question whether we should take this blanket approach to this to this problem by shutting the whole country down. When really the issue, the major problems are in just about four or five states where there actually are hospitals that are overwhelmed. But um, but nonetheless, that's a thought thought you would would appreciate that information. Moving on uh, to the threat of China, I talked about this extensively last week, but one thing that doesn't need to be lost in this entire situation is the, the threat of China and how we absolutely have to move away from China. And now is the perfect time to move away from relying on China. Because our country is falling apart from an economic standpoint, we're in crisis mode from an economic standpoint. So while we're resetting everything and while we're literally printing money, let's get away from China. We have to offer incentives for countries to get away from China, and then some industries like the pharmaceutical industry, they they have to legally get away from China. We need to pass regulations and laws that force companies that deal with national security issues like pharmaceuticals, antibiotics, personal protective equipment, ventilator production, all that has to come back to North America. And if we want to use our allies to help with the active ingredients, to help with the parts, with to help with some of this, fine. But no more relying on China. No more relying on China. Let's listen to President Trump's trade advisor, Peter Navarro, clip one. Let's listen.
2: What China has been doing uh, very, very aggressively over the last decade is to try to gain control of those by electing people to the top it's already controls five of the 15, and also by using proxies, colonial-type proxies like Tedros at the WHO. And as you can see in this crisis, the damage that that kind of control by China of a key health organization has been just absolutely enormous. They suppressed uh, the human-to-human transmission. They refused to call this a pandemic. They, they basically discourage travel bans. So, I mean, this is this, this is one of the most serious things we've ever seen. And it all tracks to China's view of the world and how they want to control different types of international organizations, even as they don't play by the international rules. So it's going to be up to all the right. president to look at this. But, so, Martha, this is a really serious issue, and the president is absolutely right yeah. about this.
1: Well, there you have it. That's Peter Navarro talking about China and the World Health Organization being in bed together and how China uses money to exert its influence on the World Health Organizations and various other international entities. Look, these international entities, entities are useless, absolutely useless. All they do is cozy up to whichever country pit, uh, pumps in the most money, which is not the case here because China is only paying the World Health Organization $40 million a year. The U.S. is paying $400 million a year to the World Health Organization. But the World Health Organization is corrupt. They're in bed with China, and they're they're incompetent. And that's just to put it nicely, because they were saying in mid-January that there's no evidence that this spreads human to human. Are you a bunch of idiots? This was spreading arguably. Look, I said last week this this came out in China in December. Boy, was I being generous. This thing was in rotating in China in November. So... 2 months into this the World Health Organization the the premier the premier scientist of the world the World Health Organization they claimed on Twitter no human to human no human to human transmission nothing to see here nothing going on in China no human to human transmission <laughs> and here we are uh, millions of people in the world now have it over between 1 and 2 million people in the world have it but no human to human transmission that's a joke. And the reason they were saying that is not cuz they didn't know, but it's because they didn't they were trying to downplay the threat and being they were being the mouthpiece of China, the talking head of the Chinese Communist Party. That's why they said in mid-January no human to human transmission. Even though the the vast majority of people who were looking into this, knew that there was human-to-human transmission. And the, the Chinese government here, their stories, some horrendous stories, which I'm not going to get into the details because it'll make your t- stomach turn. But number one, we all know China's lying. Who knows how many cases are in China? Probably several hundred thousand, if not over a million or millions um, the death toll in Wuhan and surrounding areas is countless. There's multiple reports about the, the, the official death count being t- as, as, as little as 10 times more than the official count of 3,000. Uh, others have said it's, it's in the hundreds of thousands of people who died in Wuhan. And they, the, the, the Chinese government purchased these incinerators, which uh, basically cremate bodies. And they they bought like dozens of these things, and they've been running all day every day since the Wuhan virus broke out. Um, So there's multiple reports that this is, that China's got tens of thousands of people dead um, because they mishandled it. There's also other reports that I'll post on the podcast page at AFR.net. So uh, we know China's lying this, this thing could have been slowed down, at least, or if not stopped, had the Chinese government been honest about it. And I think we need a full investigation. I think the Trump administration needs to launch a full review, a full investigation into where this began, how it began, and the timeline. We're talking about one of the, one of the most damaging events economically, in our country's history, and we don't even know all the facts. This is a shame. I don't know why the Trump administration hasn't done this yet. And I think our Trump, the Trump administration already knows all this, so maybe we don't even need an investigation. Maybe we just need to declassify all the reports. But our country deserves to know who patient zero was where patient zero got the virus from, and who's responsible? Because this whole idea about a a wet market, uh, a meat market in Wuhan, jumping from a bat to an to a human—I mean, come on—are we a bunch of idiots who actually believes that this virus jumped from a bat? They've been eating bats over there. Since before I was born, they've been eating bats over there for decades, if not longer than that, probably hundreds of years. Um, the, the people in China have been eating bats, and we just want to believe that that all of a sudden, in an election year, that this virus just, oh, it jumped from one bat to a human, and then before you know it, three months later, the whole world is infected. I'm exaggerating there about the whole world being infected, but you get the point. It's in all the infection is in all the countries, is my point. Um, I don't believe that a bit. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that is what happened, but show me the proof. And until then, I'm going to keep throwing out my theories that I think are very plausible. So, President Trump needs to launch an investigation and/or declassify the reports about where this virus started, who's responsible. Did the Chinese government just accidentally uh, wink, wink? open the back door to their laboratory in Wuhan where this virus was sitting and uh, just let it out the back door on accident? Uh, Or did it really come from an animal? Who knows? But look, the Chinese government, they've opened up all these, these, these disgusting meat markets. They've opened them back up. And so if this really came from a wet market, why would you open them back up eight weeks later? That makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely no sense. So I'm not buying that it came from a bat and I'm going to hold that position until somebody proves me otherwise. And we can't go off what the Chinese dictatorship says because they're all a bunch of liars. Shifting gears about Washington, D.C.'s response to this whole situation, I want to play clip three. This is Art Laffer, who was actually a Reagan, Ronald Reagan economic advisor back in the Reagan era. And here's his opinion on what Washington, D.C. should do to help our economy. Clip 3, let's listen.
0: First place, you can open up by different types of businesses that are more or less affected by the coronavirus. Second thing, you can open up by different people. I mean, the impact of coronavirus on different segments of the population is very, very different. Uh, I'm almost 80 years old, Harris, and, and, you know, supposedly the elderly, especially elderly males are much more at risk so maybe you'll want to keep them quarantined for a while and let other groups that are much less at risk uh get back to work so there are a lot of different ways my of course preferred way is is to increase economic incentives and let people make their own decisions uh i'd like to do Mm. something like uh, uh waive the payroll tax for the rest of this year through december 31st which would be a huge incentive effect for people to come back to work as soon as they possibly can comfortably. And it would be a huge incentive effect for employers to retain workers and to hire new ones once they're uh, available for doing it.
1: What a novel idea. What a brilliant idea. Something as simple as eliminating the federal income tax is what uh, Art Laffer said. And this begs the question, what is Washington, D.C. doing? That is you know all right here's here's what the here's what the uh, here's what the people who disagree with me and aren't laughing are saying right now well walker if people are unemployed then they're not even going to get to keep their own money by not paying the federal income tax because if they're unemployed they're not paying federal income taxes anyway okay you got a good point i get it so somehow we got to get the money into the hands of the people who don't have jobs that's what that's called unemployment um and maybe there's other ways we do that um, so I get it, but for the com- the companies who are still employing workers, but maybe they're just cutting their hours, they're not as busy, not as much cash flow, I think we absolutely need to just eliminate the federal income tax altogether across the board until the end of the year. Because that's a direct way for American workers to keep more money in their pocket Which would help stimulate the economy because they would then turn around, hopefully, and spend that money that they saved on other things. Or maybe they stock it away and save it until this whole thing's over with and they go on a vacation. And then they pump money into the local economy wherever they go on vacation. Or they get them a new car or a new boat, whatever, you get the point. But either way, the money's going to be spent back in the economy. But instead, the politicians in Washington, including the Republicans, they have to pass these massive convoluted bills that nobody knows what's going on the small business administration is still trying to figure out how they're going to process these pay, uh, payroll protection loans that passed 2 weeks ago out of congress they're still writing the regulations they don't even know how it works but the problem with a with a simple idea like eliminating the federal income tax federal income tax is because it cuts out washington dc And the bureaucrats in Washington and the politicians hate to be cut out of the process. They've always got to have their hands on our money, which is why they haven't done this, because if you look at how all of these uh, loans and these grants and these bailouts and these aid packages, if you look at how they're all working, they're all being filtered through the Washington. Instead of money, with the exception of the checks coming back into Americans' pockets, uh, the pockets of Americans, which we should be expecting in the coming weeks, that was a pretty decent idea. Um, with the exception of that, everything else has applications. you got to go through a process. you got to go to the bank. you got to pay a 1% interest fee. I mean, it's, it's, it takes forever. There might be some businesses who don't get their actual money who don't get this help, help get this aid until we're actually through the crisis. <laughs> there might be businesses on the other end of the crisis who actually finally get their money that they've applied for. And to the point about whether this aid is needed, it's absolutely needed. Look, I'm a fiscal conservative. You could call me a Tea Party guy. I think we need to ease off the printing of money that we don't have. I've been saying that for years. But now is not the time to tighten up the belt and choke American, the American citizens out of an economic recovery and economic aid. Because there's plenty of wasteful spending in Washington that we can eliminate without eliminating the, the one aid package that we get to America. And this is what I tell people. Our country for decades has been writing checks to foreign countries, building roads overseas, bailing out other countries. And here we are in America, we hardly ever write a check to ourselves. This is our tax dollars. And so I do not hesitate one bit uh, supporting some type of aid package to the American people. And I think we, ought, we, we should actually cut foreign aid and redirect it to American workers whether you want to do that in the form of tax cuts, etc. I don't care. Um, but I do think we need to be careful about uh passing unnecessary spending bills just because we're in a crisis. I think I think these spending this legislation needs to be more targeted, more precise. I think we need to handle one bill at a time. I think we actually need to vote on it. So I'm not totally excusing some of the some of the bad behavior of politicians in Washington, but they've been doing that for decades. I'm not excusing that. I think they need, to, they need to be more responsible, and I actually call them out on the show every weekend here. But we don't need to be criticizing the aid package to American workers because people are hurting. Our country is hurting, and no one saw this coming. Exposing Washington on American Family Radio, Walker Wildman here, We'll see you next week, and until then, stay tuned to American Family Radio.